0: Good evening and uh, welcome to our Bible study. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8 and we're going to start to read at verse 8. So it's Hebrews chapter 8, starting to read at verse 8. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenants I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I will turn away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and and aging will soon disappear." Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you uh, again for the opportunity we have to meet in this way. We thank you for your word. And we just pray that as we look at it together, again, you will just speak to us through it, that we might hear your voice. And our Father, we gather together this evening. Although we are separated by distance, we are one in Christ. And we come in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 through to 13. Now, let us pick up where we left off last week as we continue with the differences between the Old and the New Covenant. In verse 7 of chapter 8, this is what it said. If there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant. Now, this phrase suggests that there was something wrong, and obviously there was. But we must be clear that the covenant, the agreement, was good. The fault was with the people. The answer to what it was that was wrong is here in verse 8. So if we read verse 8. But God found fault with the people. Now in this following statement, this is the announcement and the introduction of the new and better covenant. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Now, this isn't really a new announcement as we read it here in the book of Hebrews. It's been announced before, and it's been announced to the Jewish nation. This section is a direct quote from their own scriptures, and it's found in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31 through to 34. And this is how that starts. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. So it's the same words. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah spoke these words to the people of both Israel and Judah. This was some 600 or so years earlier notice the words were meant for all the jewish nation both the northern and the southern kingdoms we need at this point uh, to understand something of the prophecy made by jeremiah why do we need to do that well first of all so that we can see the importance of the old testament prophets Remember Jesus on the road to, or remember the two on the road to Emmaus when they met Jesus. Jesus revealed his identity through the words of the prophets before the two disciples recognized him. It was when he broke the bread at that post-resurrection meal that they recognized who it was. Secondly, we need to understand that this new covenant was not a spare of the moment thing. It wasn't something that was brought to patch up the faults of the old covenant. It was the fulfillment of a promise. And thirdly, we need to recognize that the old covenant had served its purpose. Its purpose was preparation for the new and the better covenant. Now, if the Jewish people had known the scriptures as they said that they did, they would have recognized the signs of the new covenant, just as the writer of the Hebrews has. And here he's presenting these facts to reassure the Jewish Christians that the way that they are following Jesus was God's intended way for his people, as we'll see as we go through this letter. And remember that these people were called people of the way. This was before people at Corinth named them Christians. Well, what do you know about Jeremiah? Well, probably not as much as these people would know. You see, he was part of their history, an integral part of of the basis of their Jewish faith. And the writer of this letter knows this and he's not asking his readers to discard it but he's encouraging them to understand it. He only has to refer to parts of Jeremiah's prophecy for them to see that it was a confirmation of the existence of the new covenant and the time had come for the new covenant to be implemented. So we today need to learn a little bit about Jeremiah, and I don't worry we're not going to read through the whole book of Jeremiah, but it is a good exercise for us to do that. Well, let's just have a look at one or two things. Well, the opening uh, verses of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, tell us an awful lot. It says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathothel, in the territory of Benjamin, The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. Jeremiah was about 16 years old when he first began his ministry. And he started this ministry that stretched across three kings of Judah up to the Babylonian exile of Judah. King Josiah, Jehoiakim and King Zedekiah. Now the place where he, he came from was Benjamin. That's the city of Benjamin, which was in Judah itself, if you look at the map of how the the tribes were placed, you will see that. These are his words. And these are his words to a nation. A warning to all the Jewish nation. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through to 34, starts... The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news so jeremiah saying that the days are coming and jesus says the time has come when we looked at um, our passage in mark uh, last week on the sunday the words of jesus at the last supper this is what jesus said in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood they're important words this cup is the new covenant in my blood let me come to hebrews 8 verse 9 it will not be like the covenant i made with their ancestors when i took them by the hand to lead them out of egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and i turned away from them declares the lord Let's go to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. This was when the the law was given at Mount Sinai. And we read these words. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So that was the, the first covenant. The people had broken the terms of that covenant. A new covenant would be given, but it would not be the same as the old one. So we come to verse 10. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So what what is being said here by the writer of the Hebrews as he reverts back to this prophecy of Jeremiah? Well, we can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3. This is what we read. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you from you or from you. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The laws of the new covenant will be on, on on the hearts and in the minds of people. It will be a personal commitment from them to God. A personal commitment by us to be faithful to God through Jesus. Let's go to chapter 8, verse 11. No longer will they teach their neighbours or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Right? These words might be a little bit difficult to understand, but what it's saying really is those whose faith is in Jesus will know him by God's grace. What did Jesus say? He said, my sheep will know my voice. We can go to Romans chapter 8 and read verse 1 to 4. And this is what it says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then we come to verse 12. Very short verse. For I will forgive the wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Well, If God is God, how can he forget? And if he can forget, then is he really God? Good question. But we've got to understand here what God is actually saying. God cannot forget. What he promises is that when your sins are forgiven by the power of the blood of of, of Jesus, then God will never call them sins to mind or hold them against you. Why? Because the price required has been paid in full. In other words, what God is saying, I will never, ever call those sins the forefront of my mind, because the price has been paid in full. So what is the lesson here for us? Well, we know that we are to forgive others as God has forgiven us. Right. Let's just get this clear. We're not expected to forget the wrongs done against us. But once the forgiveness that we have offered has been accepted, we should not hold that wrong against those who have sinned against us. In other words, I can forgive, but I can't forget the wrong that they have done to me. But we're not called to forget, we are called to forgive and to forgive as God has forgiven us. So I think there's a, a tremendous truth there for us about God and a lesson for us to learn when we consider the Lord's Prayer about being a forgiven people. So verse 13, By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. The old covenant was fading away during the lives of the first readers of this letter. It wouldn't be long before the temple itself would be destroyed. The old order of priestly worship would cease. Now, As we draw to a close this evening, in the light of what we know from this passage and what we've looked at this evening, let us take a brief look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20 through to verse 26. As we just sort of compare these things and and, and link them in together, this is what it says in, in Romans 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. What does that mean? It's telling us that the law can only reveal sin. It cannot forgive sin. It can only expose sin and condemn it. So the next verse, Romans 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Well, this means that the righteousness of God can now be seen in Jesus now verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So the righteousness of God, this is what this verse here is saying, the righteousness of God is given by faith, by faith in Jesus and what he's done. And both Jew and Gentile are seen as equal. When this happens, there's no difference between them. There's not just Jew and Gentile. They are together as those who are one in Christ. So Romans three twenty-three and 25. We know these verses very well because they're very often used in the gospel context and that's what they are. But this is what it says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith this is the gospel message this is also the essence of the new covenant all that we're looking at in Hebrews is tied up in this verse there's the truth of it all have sinned and fall short of God's glory but we can be justified freely how by the grace of God how can that happen it's through the redemption because we are bought back we are redeemed by who by Christ Jesus How did that happen God presented Christ as a sacrifice that one-off for all-time sacrifice of atonement that's atoning for our sins the sins of the world how through the shedding of his blood and how do we get it to be received by faith the new covenant Romans 3 verse 26 He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. You see, when Jesus died That punishment that he bore was the punishment that paid the price demanded for the sins of the world. That is going way back to Adam and also extending to when Jesus returns. And this is a demonstration of the love of God, of the grace of God and of the righteousness of God. Just reminds me to, to go back to Isaiah Isaiah 53 and to read verse 4, I'm going to do that now what Isaiah is saying here now remember, this is many many years before Jesus died on the cross but this is the relevance of his death that was there in the days of Isaiah and Isaiah knew it this is what he said, surely he took up our pain and bore Our suffering yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted this is prophecy but in this prophecy God is revealing to Isaiah that the price for the sins of the people of his day that were being covered by the blood of animals would be paid in full one day and he's speaking of the one who would pay that price and looking forward to the day when that price would be paid, and that day was when Jesus hung upon that cross and shed his blood. For this evening, I'm going to finish there. But in this passage, Hebrews chapter 8 through to 13 and Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through to 34, we haven't finished with it yet. <laughs> so we're going to come back and have a look at it next week from a slightly different angle. Uh, there'll be questions asked within this text and there will also be questions answered. So we look forward to that next time. But in the meantime, let, let us just remember that from that verse in Romans that we, we looked at, that this is the gospel. If you know Christ as your saviour, rejoice in it tonight. If you don't, well, why not take him as your saviour? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice for atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragements that we can draw from it. We admit before you that we don't understand everything. But our Father, we understand enough to know how we stand as sinners before our holy God and how we can stand as sinners who have been forgiven. And our Father, just open our hearts and our minds to these things. Our Father, we look forward to when we continue through your word and learn more about you and more about the truths that are so wonderful that we sometimes just have to stand back. And acknowledge we can't take it all in and we don't even understand it all, but we trust. And our Father, help us to trust and believe. As we commit each other now into your hands, into your safety. And may it be to your glory as we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.